Hello and happy Friday. It's Friday and the day before all of the Christmas festivities began in my life. So I am super excited, but am also a little confused and disoriented. We had a snow day yesterday because it was very, very, very cold and all of the roads were ice covered here in Junction City. So we were closed down and for the most part closed in. It was the first time that I have been home until 2 p.m. and I don't know how long. So that was kind of fun. Although I don't know how to act when I don't have a million things to do. So a little about me. Um, yes, Chris, get to wrapping those presents. You guys, I just got to open one of my gifts. Um, that's my husband for you. He can't keep anything a secret for very long. And it just, he just is like, he and one of our daughters are the exact same in this area where they want everyone to know what it is that they got, that, that she got them before they open it. And um, and he just gets super excited. And that, that's where his childlikeness comes out is in the giving. He's, he's a giver. If you know him, you love him. Anyway, so I got to open up one of my gifts. <laughs> so fun. Anyway, you guys, this morning, I was like, Jesus, what are we talking about this morning? And um, I started thinking back through the week and just some different conversations that, that I've had. And yes, me too, Lisa. Um, uh, what's not to love, right? <laughs> anyway, I'm getting distracted. Um some of the conversations that I've had have centered around um, forgiveness, and it was really intriguing in the way that it was being used. Um, and um, for for me, forgiveness, of course, forgiveness is a huge part of our individual stories as humanity, right? Because Jesus, and um, but this is what this is what Holy Spirit whispered this morning is it was kind of in a question form. He's like, forgiveness, yes, but is it falsified forgiveness? And I thought, gosh falsified forgiveness like tell me more right i i i'd never heard those two words put together before but I, as i like began to kind of internalize the two words together i thought oh my gosh this is what we do it's falsified forgiveness and one of my conversations this week was surrounding the the concept of forgiveness in in terms of um their life would be so much better if they would just forgive, right? And and I understand the sentiment on that in that, you know, we, we tend to want to see forgiveness as our ability to move on. But here's the problem is that if we're not willing to actually examine the thing, then we're not, we're not capable of really, truly forgiving, right? Like forgiveness is a powerful demonstration of the kingdom of heaven. And, and here's the deal. We are missing the, the bulk of the thing when we are actually using forgiveness to sweep things under the rug. And that's where I think that he's calling a falsified forgiveness. And, and again, you know, it's like when Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. I believe that's true in this scenario too. It's like we've used forgiveness in in this inappropriate way, but it's not 
it's not out of um, out of a wrong place. It's like our hearts are so tender toward one another and and we just want the thing gone, right? We don't want the thing between you you and I. And um, so we're like, forgive, you're forgiven, right? And I remember in it raising our kids um, that that was a, a huge part of culture in, in our church life was um, repentance and forgiveness. And um, that so insofar that we would like, there would be the, the interaction between the kids that was less than. And so they were to repent one to another, nothing wrong with that. And then immediately I forgive you was the response on this curated um, repentance scene. Right. And, and we didn't teach them anything by doing that. Right. That that's the demonstration that they all got to see was that um, we're, we're, curating repentance we're, we're curating reconciliation but is it it can it really be a, a reconciled scenario if we're not actually willing to examine it and here's what i mean by that jesus didn't cry out those words father forgive them without closely examining the scenario he, he so closely examined it that he became the specimen of it. You know what I'm saying? So when we know that when, when Jesus goes to John, remember, John is the voice crying out in the wilderness. He's the one preparing the way of the Lord. And the way that he's doing that is through baptism, right? He's, he's preaching repentance and, and, and the demonstration of this repentance. Wow. Like, death to life, right? That's that's the, the demonstration of repentance through John, right? This is before the lamb is on the scene and, and he's, he's bringing them under the water as a demonstration of their death to that thing and bringing them up into new life. And so then Jesus, the lamb of God comes on the scene and John's like, behold the lamb of god the one who's coming to really remove the sin of the world right like john's like i can demonstrate what this looks like but this one he's actually going to live it he's going to show what it looks like to to really pick the thing up and carry it and do something with it so that forgiveness is no longer falsified. And so we know that, that John's like, Jesus is like, I need to be baptized. And John's like, why would you need to be baptized? Can you imagine this? I think so often that we, we read these stories and we're so familiar with them that we forget to actually humanize them. And, and so I, I think that if we were to be very realistic in the scene, we would see a John who is really refusing, right? He knows who Jesus is. He's probably the only one at this point who knows, like he has grown up. He met Jesus in the womb. He was affected in the womb by the presence of Jesus in the womb. Okay, so these two have an encounter in utero. And so John knows the power that even little fetus Jesus 
carries, you know what I'm saying? And, and so he knows he comes on the scene as a 30 year old man and, and is asking to be baptized. And John, I, I guarantee you, he's like, listen, I am well aware of my place in this scenario. And I'm not even fit to unstrap your sandals. But Jesus, he's like, uh-uh, you will baptize me. And, and we've talked about this before. And for me, this was just like this game changing revelation for me years ago when um, we were really studying and looking into baptism, like what really took place, right? It's a baptism of repentance. So, so essentially, you know, John is, is, is removing the sin from these people in a ceremonial cleansing kind of way. And here comes the lamb of God, who's, who's to pick up and carry the sins, the burden of the world. And so for me, it was just this picture of Jesus being laid under the waters of sin and coming up with them on his shoulders, because there's only one capable of carrying that level of sin and doing something with it. Now he's going to demonstrate for the first time in, in all of history, what it actually looks like to carry out an act of forgiveness. And, and he demonstrates this beautifully throughout his three years of ministry and while carrying the burden of man, right? He's carrying the burden of humanity and he takes it all the way to the cross. And if you've ever allowed yourself to just really be in the moment of the cross, you know how excruciating it is to, to be on the scene. And if you haven't done that, you really need to invite Holy Spirit into that to really engage this whole this whole scene. You know, here he is, and, and I'm talking at Calvary, not like you know the entirety of it, but there, when these soldiers are pounding stakes through his flesh, and in, in one of my encounters at at this space, I could hear him just muttering the words through like clenched jaw, Father, forgive them, right? Like, Father, forgive them. Father, they, they don't know. They don't, they, don't, they don't know me. Can you imagine? He isn't just looking at something with judgmental eyes in the way that we know. You know, like we examine things to be able to say, that was wrong, right? Jesus allows him to become himself to become everything that is wrong, right? Like he 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 allows it all to fall on him so that he can put it away once and for all. And and I think so often we what we call forgiveness is really us stuffing it us saying, "Mm, I don't really want to deal with that. So I'm just going to stamp it with that good old uh, forgiven stamp and move on. The problem with that is, is that when it is falsified forgiveness, it gets filed away under a category that is attainable when it becomes handy. We'll be able to pull that thing back out and examine the record of wrong to be able to pin the blame on that individual person. And so we need to we need to really 
lean in and listen to the invitation that is, is resounding right now, that we would become real in this act of forgiveness. There's power in it. And we know that, that one of the things that God is highlighting is his willingness and not just his willingness, but his desire to restore all things, right? He's wanting to restore family life. And he is wanting to restore friendships and he is wanting to restore the church. And I think that we can even look at this as the, the, the relationship between church and world or sacred and secular. He's wanting to restore that because right now the two are foreigners, you know, we, the sacred and secular are, are, are on opposite sides of the ocean. And, and it's like two different foreign lands trying to co coexist, uh, speak completely different languages and essentially having no effect one to another. And again, you could look at that as like this falsified forgiveness thing because we've swept a lot of things under the rug and pretended like they don't exist yet. It does fester. That's that's a really good word to to describe what happens in falsified forgiveness. Is it's not it's not real. And so I had this picture a few weeks ago, and I hadn't really known um, really what to do with the picture. And um, but it's come back up this morning, and I think that it applies. And and what I'll tell you is that you have to to really like grab hold of what it was that the Holy Spirit was painting for me was a, a militant type picture where um, the the Lord was riding into to war. So you have to understand when when He threw a saddle over my mind, it was done not in a, an ease kind of way. It was done with some violence. He's headed off to war. And so he was saddling my mind and tightening the straps on that because he's being, um, he, he's, uh, there, there is, there is a, there is, it's a violence that, that he's taking with the mind. And then I saw him, I mean, like he was totally equipping this horse, which was my mind and my mouth, my mind and my tongue and saddled my mind and bridled my tongue. And, and, and just that, you know, oftentimes when Holy Spirit is painting pictures, we don't necessarily have the verbiage to go along with it, but we just, um, we sit in it and in our mind's eye to, to allow it to become us. And so that's what was happening in this encounter that I was having, where I knew that he was wanting to bring restoration to the mind, to be able to, um, to better um, teach us how to use our, our, our mouths, right? Like we, we are terrible at this. We let everything out the chute of our mouths because we have no rain on our mind. Our mind is not saddled by the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And, and in order for us to become really good at forgiveness and, and being able to really examine the, the, the scenario to apply forgiveness to it so that it's not just filed away for um, for access at a later date when it, when it all festers. Um, it, we want this thing to be over with, right? We want we want to really bring um, reconciliation to that thing. And um, I, he's going deep 
he's going deep. And I don't want us to be caught off guard when he, when um, the pain starts to surface. And this has already happened to me in, in different moments where um, he's touching on things. And, and, and I've done some serious work with, with some things that have taken place in my life. But he's still touching some of them where I think that he's wanting to draw my attention in and say like, okay, you went this far, but there's still some work to be done there. And, um, and instead of allowing the pain to have the last say on that thing, let's allow him to saddle our minds and bridle our tongues so that we can give the correct kingly response to that thing. We know that we are in a retraining season. And that means that we, we can pretty much say that we don't know how to handle things and he is training us. Now, that's not me giving you an out that because you don't know what you're doing, that you're just, you know, toddling through the thing. That's not true either. You are equipped to be equipped. You know what I'm saying? Like you, we have to take on the, the maturity of Christ as sons and daughters of glory. That's, that's who we are. And, and so you are already equipped to be trained. Okay. Everything that has taken place in your life up to this point is so that you can be retrained with, with what he has already equipped you in. And, and for me, that's, that's exciting. I, I love new things. I love, I love training. I love learning. I, I feel like I was a slow learner by comparison. And, um, and so I'm a lifelong learner. And, um, sometimes, you know, it's like the, the old, um, the old tale about the, um, the turtle and the hare, right? <laughs> and um, so, yeah, don't be discouraged in this season. Be encouraged because I, I know that there's, there is a lot out there right now. We could even say that it's loud. It's loud right now. And um, the, the prophetic realm is really loud and there's a purpose in it. And um, it, instead of taking it all, trying to consume it all, you can't, okay? You cannot consume everything that is being released right now. You you need to ask Holy Spirit to teach you how to eat, okay? So if he's going to bridle the mouth or the tongue, that includes what's coming in. We have to be we have to be uh, retrained in this area too. We can't just consume everything because not everything applies to you. Okay? There are some really hard words out there right now. And I'm not giving you permission to dismiss them because they're hard. What I'm giving you permission to do is lean into Holy Spirit and say, teach me to consume what belongs in here, what is going to edify you, what is going to enable me to release glory, to bring worth to your name, Jesus. Teach me to consume. Okay. So I, I just, I think that we need to, to lean in a little bit. And, and I think that, you know, because of the season that we're moving into where he is bringing restoration, forgiveness is going to be a... Um, a, a big player in this whole scenario. And um, what, what the, um, honestly, what, what our culture of forgiveness has taught us to do is, is to kind of like just sweep it under the rug and move on. But that's not what he's after. Remember in Isaiah 11, and I allude to Isaiah 11 so often because it reminds me of who I am in Christ. It, it lists who Jesus is. And then it says, it gives some action behind it. And it says that he will not judge by what his eyes see or by what his ears 
here. He judges the intent of the heart. So when we see him hanging on the cross and he's taking in that last breath just to get the words out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's Jesus not judging by what his eyes see or what his ears hear. He's judging the intent of the heart, right? He looks deep within, even though he has put himself in a position of being treated with brutality. He's in it. He's completely in this thing and he is still muttering the words. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We are going to need to lean into that Isaiah 11 action and not judge by what our eyes see or what our ears hear because in a restoration process, there's going to be a lot of debris that is stirred up and debris within has memory and it has a story to tell. But here's the deal. We need to start questioning the story or the narrative of the mind in this restoration process because it is not all going to be truth, okay? Truth is a man. His name is Jesus Christ, and he is the only one capable of keeping a sound record of anything. And we have to agree with him on this entire restoration process. Because if it was left to our flesh, left to our humanity, we would throw the towel in and we would call that forgiveness. We would say, "Mm, this is too painful. I see the chicken exit. I'm out. But I forgive you. Because that's what we've done. It's falsified forgiveness. And if you walk away from painful scenarios right now, You will never be able to live out what reconciliation and restoration look like. And that, my friends, is what the kingdom of heaven is made up of. So ask Holy Spirit to reveal authentic forgiveness, what that looks like for you, and allow him to come in to saddle your mind and to bridle your tongue. Because here's the deal. The mind is a powerful powerful space that makes up who we are. And weeks ago, God was revealing on one of our Wednesday nights, he was revealing, and I don't have a full picture on this, but I am going to just drop this because I think that's important. The mind also has trap doors because it creates illusions that is coupled with falsified forgiveness. Okay. That's why this is so important. These trap doors are connected to false narratives, spaces in our lives where we haven't actually dealt with anything. We just swept it under the rug, but we labeled it forgiveness. When it's not real forgiveness grounded in truth of the man, Jesus Christ, it still has access. And what's happening is this falsified forgiveness is creating trap doors And when we open those doors and we fall into it, we have a hard time pulling back out. And this is why we need Jesus. 
the the militant Jesus. Listen, this is this is the Jesus that Israel was waiting on when he came as a lamb. They didn't recognize him. Okay, I am not saying that he's coming to like destroy people. Don't hear me saying that. He is coming to destroy false concepts, ideas, doctrines within me and within you. Okay. This is a militant Jesus that's on a rampage to, you know, have his garments dipped in blood by destroying all of humanity. He's looking for humanity to partner with him. Okay. And this is how we're going to do it by allowing militant Jesus to come at us, to settle our minds, to bridle our tongues so that we can effectively be the church. So the church and, and, and the church can become um, a language that the world can actually comprehend. I was, I was telling Rebecca yesterday, I was like, you know, honestly, I feel like the church is those old peanuts um, cartoons, you know, the, the Snoopy, Charlie Brown, Peanuts cartoons, and the the teacher, like when they're in the classroom, it's wah, 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 wah. that's what I feel like the church sounds like to the world right now. It's a language that the world cannot comprehend, and that's why we're like foreigners to one another. And and here's the deal: if we actually dispense glory. The world can comprehend that. All right, friends. Have a very, very Merry Christmas. I love you all dearly and deeply and and pray that that you would be blessed over the next couple of days, that um, that bliss would have you, that you would just be so surrounded by childlikeness. That's what I wish for you is childlikeness. So until next time, be blessed. I love you.